Though we are all welcome here, it's no secret from the title of this podcast that I focus on helping Black women like myself become healthier, happier versions of themselves. It's also no secret that the Black community experiences different types of trauma than other communities may. How can we come together to help each other better understand and heal from the traumas we faced in childhood? What is going on, beautiful people? You are listening to the Affirmations for Black Girls podcast, where we focus on personal growth and cultivating a healthy relationship with ourselves. I am your host, Tyra the Creative, actress, content creator, and mental health enthusiast. This week, I'm continuing my series on childhood trauma by delving into a topic that is near and dear to my heart, how childhood trauma impacts Black communities. If you haven't listened to my last episode, you may want to listen to that first to get an overview of exactly what I mean when I say childhood trauma, and also to hear my personal experiences with childhood trauma. Like I mentioned last week, if you are not in a place where you feel it will be beneficial for you to hear about trauma today, in particular, trauma faced by members of the Black community, please feel free to skip this episode. I will not take it personally. But my goal with this series is to remind every single one of you listening that you are loved and you are not alone no matter what you've been through. So let's all take a deep breath, grab our favorite drink or snack, and settle into a safe space. This week's affirmation is, my childhood trauma was not my fault. Ooh, that one hit me deep. My childhood trauma was not my fault. This one may be a little difficult, but let's say it together. My childhood trauma was not my fault. 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 Let's all relinquish ownership over our trauma if we have experienced any at all. And let's say it together one last time. My childhood trauma was not my fault. Ooh, y'all, this is a good one this week. So if you have found yourself caught in a pattern of blaming yourself or feeling shame for the trauma that you experienced, let me tell you, you are not alone. It is so, 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 so common for us to feel like we somehow did something to cause the hurt we experienced, but that is simply not true. If you only take one thing from this episode, I want it to be that your childhood trauma was not 
your fault. You were a child. All we want as children is to be understood and be loved. So if you happen to be a black woman like I am and happen to be from the United States, then you know that ever since birth, we've been put in a place where we are susceptible to experience trauma that a lot of other communities don't necessarily experience in the way we experience it. We have a lot of generational trauma that has been passed down on top of present day trauma. So our trauma has been compounded and it's exponential in what it is. And that is what creates, or that's a part of my experience, at least as a black woman. So what exactly do I mean when I refer to childhood trauma in our community and how has this impacted us as a community? So we're going to dive into that and more in this episode. So let's get right into it. So first, I'm going to dive a little deeper into what I meant about trauma being passed down from generation to generation. And in simple terms, that is intergenerational trauma. And what that is, is simply pain that is passed down from one generation to the next. And of course, we have as a black person person living in the United States and whose family has been here since slavery was a thing. Um, We have a lot of intergenerational trauma that has been passed down simply because of that in itself. And just to give you an example, let's say that when you were younger, Uh, your parent taught you to never lose your receipt to something that you bought from the store, just in case you're accused of stealing it, you know, or to make sure that if you're in the store, you keep your hands out of your pockets. So they're visible to everyone around you. So they don't think that you're stealing. And even though on the surface, this is, it may look like it's from, you know, a person that may not be in our community, it could look like, oh, well, We just want to make sure that there's not a misunderstanding or this is just a common practice, you know, like we want to make sure that no one is stealing, blah, blah, blah. But it's so much deeper for us because there's already an underlying belief that black people steal. And while that is just a very surface example of intergenerational trauma, it comes from back in the day when we weren't able to even go into stores. And when we were able to go into stores, you know, you you hear all of these stories of black people or black kids literally losing their lives over being accused of stealing something. Now, whether they were stealing or not, it was not worth their life. And this has just been a communal trauma that we have been experiencing as black people. And This is another like subset of that intergenerational trauma. So one specific instance I can, you know, tell you about that has caused an effect on me just from reading the story and hearing about it is when Latasha Harlins was killed here in Los Angeles over a bottle of orange juice that was less than $2. 
And apparently the store clerk thought she was trying to steal the orange juice when in fact she was pulling her money out to pay for it. And you could see that after she was, after her life was taken from her, that she actually did have the money to pay for this. And I think we as black people just want to make sure that things like this don't happen to our kids. So we're, we're teaching them from a place of fear, but this is the place that we know to come from. And the reason I bring this up is because when we teach from a place of fear, so much more comes down the pipeline with that. You get anger, you get um, worry, you get anxiety, you get all of these extra feelings versus just fear. And children take that on. And based on who the child is, you never know how that child is going to react to that situation. You never know how that's going to affect that child in the long run. And I also want to say that while these experiences aren't specifically pertaining to Black communities only, I'm speaking from a lens of being a part of this community and seeing trauma from this lens. Um, some other examples of trauma in our community could easily be day-to-day -day racism and oppression. Even on a daily basis, me in my daily life right now, if I think about my life over the past couple of weeks, I started a new job, a salary job, my first one, and I had to have an interview with a white lady. And I know you guys have heard of code switching. And it's something that I was never taught to do, but it's something that was passed down to me. It's something that I inherently did just because people around me did it. And it wasn't something that I thought about doing. It just happened. And I realized that while I was having a conversation with this lady and I was just like, Tyra, don't do that. And I slowly started to talk in my regular voice again. And while it was a little uncomfortable, I was proud of myself because trauma can take so many forms and especially intergenerational trauma. It can trickle down so far through the generations that it does not feel like trauma, but it still is. So it's very important for us to make sure that we are taking inventory and reflecting on the things that we do on a daily basis and really asking ourselves, well, why? Why did I feel this way? Why did I react this way? Why did I do this thing? Just so we can truly examine the full picture and get an idea of why we are the way we are because it's super important. Some other examples of trauma that are very prominent in our community, um, bullying and discrimination at schools. Um, I wasn't bullied, thank the Lord, in school, but I did see a lot of bullying going on. And one of the biggest things that was, and I'll definitely dive into this a little more because it definitely has, you know, some effect on me from my childhood. But I remember growing up, there were a lot of girls, specifically girls that were darker skinned. And I am a beautiful chocolate woman. Amen. And in school, we weren't, 
celebrated. Our skin tone wasn't celebrated. It was very much so, oh my God, you're so black. Not in a great way, not in a good way, but a bad way. And I remember in school, people would talk about how black someone is or how ashy they were or that they their skin looked purple. And that is all generational trauma passed down, you guys, because think about it back when um, we had slaves in the big house and we had slaves in the field. The slaves in the big house were lighter skinned or mulatto. And the slaves that were outside in the fields were the darker skinned slaves. So from the beginning of our people being in the United States or America, we've always had a lower respect for our darker skinned brothers and sisters. And I will say that I 100% felt that when I was growing up, I didn't love my skin when I was growing up. And it wasn't because anyone said, Tyra, you're ugly, but because of things that were in the media, how our baby dolls looked and those stupid jokes about Tyra smile so I can see you because it's dark in here really got to me. And I will say that they definitely had an effect. And one thing that made me realize that I did not see myself as beautiful when I was a child was, y'all remember when brown skin girls came out? Brown skin girl came out. When I say I played that song on repeat and I just cried and I just loved on my inner child because when I first heard that song, I immediately started to cry because I had never heard anything like that. And it was just something that my inner child really needed to hear. And it still moves me to this day to hear that song. And I'm so grateful that Beyonce wrote that song um, because it's really taught me to, you know, love myself and love the skin that I'm in. And even though my skin may be darker than, you know, the person to the left or to the right of me, my skin is still beautiful. Like I'm popping. And I didn't think that growing up, and I really do think that that intergenerational pain has been pushed down from generation to generation. And even in my daily life as my, with my family, like my family members would sometimes call me black, like, Hey black, what's going on or whatever, like as a term of endearment, but there's so much pain and trauma wrapped up in that nickname. And it's something that we don't think about on a daily basis, but subconsciously that was lowering my self-esteem. Now, there are obviously a lot of different examples of trauma in the Black community, so I'm going to go through a couple more just to see if you identify with these, and if you do, by all means, please make sure that you stay tuned for the rest of the episodes of the Childhood Trauma series because we will be diving into more things about childhood trauma and hopefully we'll touch on something that really resonates with you. So we talked about intergenerational trauma. We talked about day-to-day racism and oppression, bullying and discrimination at schools by your teachers or even by other students. There's also trauma in one or both of your parents being incarcerated. 
which causes you to grow up without a mother figure or a father figure and causes you to long for those things, which can in itself cause you to have a little bit of childhood trauma. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel unloved. Maybe you feel uncared for. Maybe you feel unprotected because you don't have this parent. Maybe you feel like they don't care about you enough because if they cared about you enough, if they loved you enough, they wouldn't be in jail right now. And that in itself can definitely cause some trauma. Um, there's also emotional and economic instability of your parent. Like if your parent is bouncing around from job to job, they're losing jobs. They have mental health issues, which can be a wide array of thing, things or things like abusive relationships, which is also something that is passed down, something that stems from their childhood trauma. Like it's, everything is a web, you guys. And that is something that I'm learning on this journey that everything is connected. There's also living in segregated and or low income neighborhoods that can definitely cause trauma because you're definitely going to move differently living in a low income neighborhood because there's different things at stake. I was actually listening to um, a clip from an interview that Lil Wayne did with Katie Couric. I don't know, somebody, some um, white lady. And she was saying didn't you drop out of high school? And he, he said, yeah, that was my mama's idea. And she asked him, you know, why was that your mom's idea? And y'all know Lil Wayne is from New Orleans. He from Hollygrove, as he says in his songs, which is the 17th ward. And this is a very dangerous area. And he was saying one morning he was putting, getting ready for school. He was still in high school and his mom saw him putting his gun into his backpack. And she was like, do you really have to take that to school? Now, mind you, his mom bought him this gun for his safety because of his neighborhood and because he had already started to um, become a, a famous rapper. He was still in high school and he was still trying to go to public school in New Orleans in an impoverished place. So he looks at his mom and he's like, so you don't want me to take my gun to school? And she was like, no, I want you to take your gun to school. And she walked away and she came back like two minutes later and was said and said to him, you dropping out, you getting your GED or not you dropping out, but you're, you're getting your GED. And that was, he says that that's one of the best things that she could have done for his safety. And I just wanted to use that example to put it into perspective for you guys that living in these low income neighborhoods or neighborhoods where there's a lot of crime and um, you know, negative influences on children can have a lasting effect because that is what's creating their foundation. That is what's creating their view and their take on the world. And the thing is, when you live in one of these places, it's very, very, very hard. Even though in Lil Wayne's situation, he was an honor student, he was doing great in school. But it's very hard to find the time when you're living in poverty and growing up in a low income household to find the time to dedicate to your schoolwork, to find the mental capacity to handle day to day life when you have to worry about, am I going to eat tonight? Is my mom or dad going to make it home safely? I have to make sure that my brothers and sisters make it home safely. How am I going to help support my family? How are we going to make it out the hood? All of these things that are not necessarily on 
your neighbor's plate are on your plate because you're a part of this community. And that can have lasting effects on your development as well. It can lead to guilt. It can lead to resentment. It can lead to downright frustration with life as a whole because you were in a situation, you were given this deck of cards that wasn't the greatest. And you had to literally figure out how to survive. And you know that other people around you were living a life that was not as poverty stricken as yours was. And that definitely can add to the trauma. So I just wanted to give a few examples of trauma that can happen in our community and where it may have stemmed from. And even if it doesn't feel like trauma, it could definitely be that because remember trauma is just pain or trauma is a situation that you felt you were unsafe in. You felt your life was in danger and it doesn't have to be anything super crazy. You know, someone living in a poverty stricken area, maybe they saw a crackhead shooting up on the side of the street or something that could definitely cause trauma because you never know what your mind is going to spin that on or how that affected that young child. I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all. Breakups suck. There is no denying it. I've given advice for getting through them on this podcast, but I wanted to offer another tip for y'all. One of the things that helped me heal during my past breakups was reflecting on the relationship. Not sure where to start? You can get a little help from one of my favorite Amazon purchases, the We're Not Really Strangers breakup cards. I use this deck in my pay community and they absolutely loved it. And remember, you don't have to go through breakups alone. Products like this can help you in your healing process. So get your deck at the link in my show notes. And this is also a great gift for a friend who has just gone through a breakup. Once again, get your edition of the breakup cards from the link down in my show notes. Now, I kind of touched on this in our last week's episode, but trauma has a huge impact on your brain. It has a huge impact on your behavior. It has a huge impact on your outlook on life. So there is something called toxic stress. And I found this definition on it. So I'm just going to read it to you directly. Stress is a natural response to frightening or threatening events or conditions. These can be of greater or lesser severity and the resulting stress can lead to changes in behavior, emotional health, and cognitive capacity. We refer to the stress induced by infrequent events or conditions of lesser severity as tolerable stress. Stress can also be made tolerable when severe conditions are experienced in the presence of various emotional supports or protective factors upon which otherwise secure children can rely on. Tolerable stress can contribute to better performance if individuals react by by heightening their focus on, on the fright or threat without distraction. But the stress can become toxic when the events or conditions coming before it are severely frightening or threatening, 
especially when they are sustained or frequently repeated. And when protective factors are insufficient to mitigate the stress to tolerable levels, then toxic stress can produce not heightened focus, but the opposite result, a decrease in performance levels. Now, y'all, I know I just gave you like the medical version of that, but I really wanted to read it verbatim because I'm always say this. I am not a health professional. I'm just a girl who is sharing her experiences with you guys. But in a nutshell, toxic stress can impede children's behavior, cognitive capacity, and emotional and physical health. It can cause a child to shut down. It can cause a child to act out. It can cause a child to not to want to go on. <laughs> that sounded weird, but you get you catch my drift. Like it can cause you to become unmotivated to change your trajectory in life. Stress can have a lot of different impacts. I know my, or well, trauma can have a lot of different impacts on your life. And for one, trauma can cause stress. I know for me, um, something that happened when I was stressed out a lot in high school and it had, you know, a little bit to do with my parents getting a divorce, but also at the time, I had a boyfriend in high school and he was stressing me out. He wanted to break up with me and we'll get into that in another episode, but I was very stressed. You guys, I was so stressed that I started to give myself heart problems and I also gave myself ulcers in my mouth. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, these are stress ulcers. And I was like, what? And the doctor was very concerned because I'm a child. I'm in high school. Why am I so stressed? But the weight of my life at that time had caused me to react in that way. And once I got, I had to get an EKG and they said that I had a very small heart murmur and it could be made worse by stress. So I really, I didn't have the tools to really handle my stress properly, but I said in my mind, Tyra, you cannot be stressed out like this. And I'm so glad that I had the mental fortitude to even say that to myself because my trauma was impacting me in such a grave way that it was showing up physically in my life. Now you may not have trauma showing up physically or stress showing up physically in your life, but it can also lead to academic problems. It can cause your classmates to be behind in school if they're experiencing stress, or it can cause you to, you know, act up in class, be a class clown. And that's why teachers are so important because just because a child is acting out, there could be a slew of reasons why. Maybe this is their only outlet. Maybe they're understimulated. You never know. But trauma and stress can always be a factor in their academic problems that they're having. Another impact of trauma would be behavior problems. Um, maybe the child is breaking a lot of rules. Maybe there's a lot of aggression. Maybe they haven't, they're having trouble concentrating. I think that would tie in with the bandwidth thing. I know I had a lot of trouble concentrating my 10th grade year. I know when I was in 10th grade, I did cheat a lot on my tests because I just could not, I didn't have the bandwidth to worry about school. I knew I still wanted to get straight A's, but I still had a home life that I was worrying about. I was still going, my parents were still going through a divorce and I just literally just didn't have the, the bandwidth. These children can also have trouble socializing when they are being impacted by their trauma. So even though your trauma may not be screaming, hey, I'm trauma, take a look at other parts of your life and think about it. Hmm, 
I was acting out in this class and I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. Hmm. I used to sleep in class every single day. I can't put my finger on why. Or, oh my gosh, my body used to ache so much when I was little and I was going through this stressful time. Let me figure out why. Really take some inventory and figure out how your trauma impacts your body and your livelihood because that definitely matters. I'll give you guys one more example for me. So recently, even though this is about childhood trauma, um, I'll talk about stress more so. Back in 2019, I went on a trip to Italy for my 25th birthday. Loved the trip, had a great time. But on the way back from Chicago to Los Angeles was the worst flight of my life. I had so much in-flight anxiety. We had so much turbulence. The entire ride was turbulent. I never felt turbulence like that. And I really thought the plane was going to go down. That traumatized me. And the way that I knew that it traumatized me was two things. One, I started having horrible nightmares about plane crashes or me trying to make sure that the plane in the sky didn't crash, make sure that the pilot saw me down on the ground, crazy plane dreams. And whenever I would try to book a ticket to go elsewhere, I would just feel so stressed to the point where my body felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. And I would literally be stuck in bed for days because my back and my shoulders and my neck would hurt so bad. Think about a crook in your neck, but it hurts so bad that you legitimately cannot move your upper body. That's how bad my stress used to be after this traumatic plane ride I had. So I said to my therapist, said, Kim, this is too much. Like I just, I don't know what to do. So we created a toolkit for me to handle my stress. And in that toolkit, I made a list of the signs for when I was becoming stressed out. And I made a list of things that would soothe me. So for me, how that looked, maybe try giving my mom a call, maybe try listening to a sleep story or a meditation on the Calm app. Y'all, I talk about the Calm app all the time. I absolutely love it. I have a link down below for a 30-day guest pass. Please try it out. It is honestly amazing. Um, so I will listen to the Calm app. Maybe I will eat some ice cream or maybe I will watch my favorite movie and do some breathing exercises. Those were, I would do a combination of any of those things to help bring myself back down and ground myself when I felt my body becoming very stressed out. Because here's the thing, sometimes we think that stress is just internal and like emotional or mental, but stress is so physical, you guys. It has an effect on our bodies and there's only so much stress that, a human body can take. It can definitely have an effect on your, your health. It can cause high blood pressure, all of these different things. So it's very important to be in tune. And I will also say, and this is the last thing I'll say in this, this little section, but I will also say that in our community, we already know that there's a stigma behind mental health. And that's why this podcast is so important to me because I am trying to break those barriers and I know there are a lot of people out there that are trying to do it and I just want to make sure that I'm doing my part. But with that being said about the stigma in our communities, talk to a mental health professional. 
Tell them what you're going through because they have done the work. They have done the research and they can help put you on a path to becoming the best version of yourself because trauma can impact your life physically, emotionally, and mentally. And it's our job to do everything in our power to overcome our trauma. I think one of the biggest things that I realized through this episode that I didn't share about my childhood trauma in the previous episode is that I definitely had some childhood trauma around my skin and believing that I was beautiful. And I was just talking to my boyfriend the other day and I was telling him, well, I confessed to him that he used to make me so uncomfortable when we first met, when he would call me beautiful. Like he would just say, what's up, beautiful? Or hey, beautiful. And it made me feel uncomfortable. And after doing some self-reflection, I realized that my inner child or my younger self when I was a, a child, that is something that I longed for. I longed to be called beautiful. And as I continue to reflect on my childhood, there weren't many people in my life that would be affectionate towards me in that way. And there are two people in particular that I am so grateful for in my life who actually did call me beautiful. Well, actually more. Um, Let me just tell y'all. So when I was little, I had an uncle named Uncle Edward. He is my grandmother's brother. And he passed away when I was in seventh grade. But every time I saw my uncle, he would just tell me how beautiful I was. He, he would say, you're the most beautiful black girl I'd ever seen. You're such a beautiful little black girl. And that used to make my day. He also has, he has two brothers that also did the same. He has more than two brothers, but he has two brothers in particular that also did the same. My uncle Lloyd would tell me how beautiful I am and my uncle Pooh Boy. Now I know y'all probably like <laughs> Pooh Boy is not his his real name. His real name is Cleveland, but we call him Uncle Pooh Boy. And I love my Uncle Pooh Boy to death. And he always tells me how beautiful I am. And I'm so grateful that I had uncles in my life because I don't have any um, uncles. I only have great uncles. My mom and my dad, neither one of them have brothers. So I only have great uncles. So they're, you know, kind of like pawpaw statuses to me um, because they're my grandmother's brothers. But I'm so grateful that I had them in my life. But I really longed for that from my mom and my dad. And it wasn't something that I could put my hands on. But when I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, like I used to hear this from like my uncles, but I didn't hear this from my parents. And granted, my parents love me and all of that kind of stuff, but they weren't really the ones to show their affection outwardly through their words, through words of affirmations. And I also didn't know how to ask for that. So when I heard 
brown skin girl for the first time, I just cried because I felt seen and I felt heard and I felt like Beyonce was singing directly to me, to six-year-old Tyra, to eight-year-old Tyra, and just saying how beautiful she is and how beautiful my skin is. Literally, brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls, the best thing in the world. Like, oh, just thinking about it right now makes me a little emotional because I wish I had that as a child. And now that I'm adult, I'm an adult, I have to give my my inner child that love that I did not receive, that I needed, that I didn't know how to express to my parents because I couldn't put, put words to it. I couldn't really figure out what it was. But I will say that that is the biggest piece of trauma I have as biggest piece of childhood trauma I have as a black girl and something else that comes to my mind when I when I think about my experience with childhood trauma specifically pertaining to me being black is photographs and I have conversations conversations with my friends all the time about this but I just started to reflect on it and yeah like like I said earlier my family and all of them would call me black all the time as a name like a nickname and I really I would look at photos of myself and I would just be so dark in the photos. And first of all, like I'm not that dark as if you like, if you take that photo that I'm talking about and you put it next to me, what I realized is on a very surface level, photography or camera technology wasn't the greatest in 1998, 2000. And that is why I looked the way that I did in photos. It had nothing to do with my actual skin. It had everything to do with the damn camera that was being used. But I bring this up because I used to stare at these pictures and I used to say, wow, like I'm so dark. Like what is going on? Like, why am I so dark? Like, this is crazy. Like I really look like that. And those would be the things that I would say. I would never say that I was ugly. I would never say those types of things, but I didn't feel the most beautiful. And I think that stuck with me for a long time and I'm just entering a, a space in my life where I do feel beautiful and I'm like, oh my God, like I love my skin, my chocolate skin, my skin is so chocolate and I'm so cute. But I think that is definitely a very heavy weight that I've carried because I, I, I didn't feel beautiful for a long time and I'm also grateful to myself because I found that from within and it's like, it just snuck up on me like, oh, damn, I think I'm beautiful. Wait, I didn't think I'm beautiful. Whoa. Like it just felt like it just happened out of nowhere for me. And I love that for 10 year old Tyra, who is obviously still within 27 year old Tyra. y'all I really hope that you gained something from this episode of an overview of the different types of trauma and maybe it helped you identify some areas where trauma may be lying in the dark in your life 
And I hope you could see some of yourself in, you know, my personal experience that I shared, whatever trauma you did experience as a little black girl or a little black boy growing up, I guarantee we can all relate in some way. And remember, your trauma was never your fault and healing is possible. If you feel you need additional support and help around dealing with your trauma, please find the additional resources in the show notes. Uh-oh, you guys, you know what time it is. It is time for our fun closing segment. Now, I haven't done this closing segment in a while, but I think it's very on brand for today's episode. But we are going to be doing Letters to Me, where you include a short letter to yourself when you were a teen, preteen, or a child. So if you would like to join along in this exercise, pause the episode now and write you a little note. But if not, you can just listen to the note that I wrote to younger Tyra. Now, this note is probably for, um, let's say like eight-year-old Tyra. Hey girl, you are so beautiful. Remember when Uncle Edward used to call you a little black baby doll? (laughs) Tyra, you are such a beautiful chocolate girl. Your skin is so smooth. And to be honest, if I weren't you, I would want to be you, okay? Do you know you are royalty? Do you know how powerful your black skin is? Listen, don't pay attention to any of those jokes people say. People joke about your skin because they want to be you, okay? Nothing more, nothing less. They're jealous of you, girl, and you know why? Because only the lucky ones get the skin like you got. Here's what I want you to remember. You were made this way for a reason. So dry your eyes because, baby girl, you are the most beautiful caterpillar. And wait until you transform into a butterfly, i.e. me. (laughs) I've already seen you in a few years, so just know we are still just as pretty and just as fly as we always were. Never doubt yourself or your appearance. You look exactly how you're supposed to look. How God made you, and I know this is cliche, but God makes no mistakes. Let me tell you, Tyra, he did a number on you, girl. You are perfect. Your rich chocolate skin is so beautiful in the sun. Well, it's beautiful at any time of day or night. But Tyra, wear your skin with confidence. God gave you a gift, this skin. Now I have a secret to tell you. Black has always been in. Oh, y'all. This note, along with the Brown Skin Girl song, would have done wonders for my self-confidence when I was growing up. But thank you guys for listening all the way through the episode. 
This was Affirmations for Black Girls, part two of the Childhood Trauma Series. We have a few more episodes to go, but that's all that I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening.